And I think that that's why I'm kind of into like mean women now. Like I think that that's mm. kind of my thing. Yeah. Generally, when I'm into dudes, they're like, I would like them not to speak. I would like them to be like, <laughs> like a like a golden retriever a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where both I and my pet monkey look deep into your eyes and say, do you trust me? And you say, no. And I say, do you trust me? And you go, honestly, no. No. That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. You're saying, what are you doing in my house? This is a bi-weekly show, and uh, we had an episode last week. Well, guess what? Sometimes good things happen to good people. That's right. Uh, you're good. I like you. You're a good person. And leading up to my Queer Pride show at Buddies on June 8th, Wednesday, June 8th at 8 p.m., I am going to be dropping weekly episodes because we're also working our way up to my season two finale of You Made Me Queer. After today, we will have two more episodes before season two comes to a close. Can you believe this wild ride we've been on? Anyway, if you have not already gotten tickets to my buddy show, I did announce my guests today. So I want to let you, my pod listeners, know who you can expect on stage. First up, writer J.P. LaRock. You know J.P. They've written for CTV's Jan, CBC's Dickstown, Netflix as Another Life, Shudder's Slasher, and if that name is ringing a bell, they are an original cast member from the iconic MTV logo series One Girl, Five Gays. Next up, comedian Tamara Shevon. Big deal, she's performed at North by Northeast, Just for Laughs Canada. She kills it on OutTV's brand new comedy special, Out for Laughs. And she just released her first comedy album called Purse Wine. She's funny as hell. And finally, my third guest is Bombay. You gotta have drag. Sorry about it. Bombay is a queen who gives you all caps art. Equal parts club kid, high concept, and this is taken directly from a quote in Bombay's bio. Human disaster. What does that mean? Come and find out. And if that's not enough, and that's a lot. I'm also kicking things off with a live, high-impact, mega-mix, song-and-dance performance by me and Critty. That's right. Singer, composer of the You Made Me Queer theme song. Also, a stage dynamo. She's going to be there performing live. What else could you want? And tickets are $20, $15 for arts workers, students, and seniors. You've run out of excuses. You can buy them at buddiesandbadtimes.com. Click on Queer Pride. Click on You Made Me Queer. And quite frankly, I don't know what else to tell you. So let's move on to my guest today. Oh, this was fun. My guest today is Ayo Tsalithaba. Ayo is a really a person after my own heart as a fellow multi-hyphenate. They do so many things, as you will hear from their bio, which I'm going to read and riff from now. 
Ayo Salithaba is a visual artist originally from Ghana and Lesotho. Their primary mediums include film, photography, and illustration. Oh, just three primary mediums? That's a lot of primaries. Their work explores questions of home, visibility, liminality, belonging, as they relate to black, queer, and trans-African diasporic subjectivity. Ayo has been featured in Huffington Post Canada, The Fader, Flair Magazine, Manifesto, TFO, The Kit, on and on and on, and has made videos with Queer Songbook Orchestra, God, we love Queer Songbook Orchestra, Lydia Persaud, Tika, Bernice, Desire, with two eyes, and Emma Frank. They have screened their films and appeared on panels at the TIFF Bell Lightbox, Free, University of Toronto, George Brown, the Review Cinema, X-Space Cultural Center, and more. Do you see what I'm saying? Multidisciplinary, multi-hyphenate, multi-lols, as you will hear in this conversation, I was one of the rare You Made Me Queer conversations where we ran out of time, as you will hear. I did not anticipate how much there was to unpack. Sometimes me and a guest get through it in a, a tight 50. With Io, I think we could have gone the full 120. It could be a separate series, to be perfectly frank, and it should be. Fun fact, Ayo Salithaba is a Yoruba and Sotho name that translates to Joy of the Mountains. And in this case... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Io is the joy of this podcast. That's right. I went there. So without further ado, please enjoy this tightly constrained, timed conversation with the fantastic Io Tsalithaba. You made me queer. I just want to check I'm pronouncing your name properly. Io? Yes, Io's great. Great. Okay, Io. How's it going? Not bad. I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm so glad you reached out about this. Oh my gosh, it was my pleasure. Are you kidding? <laughs> You've been involved in so many interesting things. Uh, the work with archives with the Pussy Palace, which of course I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, and can I just also say what a great name for any kind of institution. For sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, have we started recording like officially? Like this is We're be... halfway we're halfway through the episode. Okay, great. Um awesome. <laughs> I was just like, Yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Again. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um yeah, the Pussy Palace, I mean, I've had to definitely shift and change the way that I talk about my work, uh, depending on the audience. <laughs> and so it's really handy that it's also through the um, the LGBT Digital Collaboratory, because then I can just say, oh, I work for an oral historian on um, <laughs> on an oral history project. <laughs> and there, and right. then that's generally where it ends. Um, you, you don't have to drop the term pussy palace in the first sentence? Yeah, but sometimes when I'm casually talking about work to like my girlfriend or, or just like my friends or anything, they're just like, oh, what work is this? And I'm like, oh, pussy palace. But we're just like in public. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> totally. It's uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, I don't want to say not appropriate for all situations because I think it should be. It should. Ma- yeah. Yeah. Ideal world. Maybe that's what we need to do is normalize more pussy palaces. Exactly. We need, we need more. More <laughs> we need more. They need to be franchised. Exactly. I'll be. I'll be a uh, franchise owner for the Pussy Palace. I mean, don't don't be modest. You could be <laughs> you start higher in the triangle. Exactly. <laughs> this is your in big the pink shot. triangle. There we go. In the big pink triangle, it's multi level marketing Pussy mm-hmm. Palace style. <laughs> uh, so we we can go back to that. But um, also I want to say because one of the 
benefits I get of having these calls over Zoom is I get to peek into your home and you have some beautiful artwork behind you. Yeah. So this is actually the one directly behind me is a piece of fabric that I hung up Mm. with uh, like a magnetic poster thing. And I like folded it. If you lean back too much, it will fall on your head. So that's really wonderful (laughs) and great. It makes uh, visiting my home kind of like a fun, scary, interactive experience. Um, I hang everything. Oh, this is really bad, but I hang a lot of things with thumbtacks. Oh no. And I think it's really awful. And I think this is me coming out publicly and saying that I (laughs) hang a lot of things with thumbtacks. Um, and it's scary, but since Ikea changed their frames to having like plastic fronts instead of glass, it's been, it's been a lot easier. I mean, it does get better. So <laughs> it does get better. You're right. Yeah, this yeah. is what they meant. Do you exactly. mean it's easier because the frames are lighter? Yes. So I'm yeah. less concerned. I have a bunch of artwork in my room. Oh my gosh, I should not be saying this. But if every podcast needs someone being like, oh no, I shouldn't say this. So I know. This and is, <laughs> that's this the is disclaimer. My yeah, okay. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to get some of my niece's art in here. She's six. And she's oh, yes. extremely talented. And I'm not just saying that. This is not just me just saying like, <laughs> oh, yeah, my niece is so talented. No, she really is. She has, she does amazing work with perspective and everything. And she's like, she's one of yeah. my favorite artists ever. So I love it. Get it up there. Uh, my nephew is seven months old, almost seven months old. So his work is still pretty abstract. Yeah, there's potential there. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed if we're being completely honest. (laughs) So far, I expected more. He's got to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, I know. I mean, yeah, my niece does a lot of like surreal. She's also really into like dark shit. Oh. Which is, it's funny because as she's grown up, like we, there are a lot of queer people in my family. And so it's Mm. been funny to kind of like watch the, I don't want to call them warning signs, but that's like the best. (laughs) Yeah, she's just like... She wants to get her hair braided, but she wants like really fantastical colors. And yeah. I'm just kind of like, I have like my little notebook and I'm like, okay, so check. It's all happening according to plan. And then she's like really into dark shit. Oh. And I'm like, okay. She has this thing called the blood book where she's, <laughs> she's a very wonderful childhood. Yes. But she has sure. a thing called she's the fine. blood. And to <laughs> she's anyone fine. listening who's concerned, she's fine. <laughs> she's totally yeah. fine. She's also really <laughs> deadpan. So like her delivery is just very like. Matter of fact, she's extremely, like, she's kind of sarcastic and she's a little bit sassy. I think that's what you're... I feel like she needs a full television show. She does, because she's kind of a performer as well. Can we get her on the podcast? (laughs) Well, yes. But can we talk about this blood book more? Yeah, so the blood book is (laughs) so funny. So she, she draws a lot of stuff before. So when she was younger, she used to boss us around. Well, she still bosses us around, but she used to make us draw things. And by younger, you mean what, like three? Like three. (laughs) She used to make us draw stuff for her. We were like, oh, you're such a good artist. Why don't you draw it yourself? And she was like, no, absolutely not. And so now she draws for herself. So she has this ongoing project called the blood book where she draws all of these catastrophes (gasps) and she marks every page where there's blood. So it's kind of like a trigger warning for like, there's going to be blood on this page. Right. There will be blood. Exactly. It's like (laughs) classic beginning of horror film. This is high concept. Just like, oh, the little kid has a blood book. But no, she's she's lovely. She's totally fine. Um, She also likes gardening. So. Okay. There's a balance. Exactly. So everyone just back off. (laughs) Um, I think this is the perfect segue because we're talking about precocious children being tainted 
basically, yeah. um, showing warning signs. <laughs> so, you know, we showed these warning signs as children, and unfortunately, there was no sort of adult figure paying attention to them the way you are. So we mm -hmm. went unnoticed, yeah. the liquid seeped in, whatever you want to call it, and we became tainted. So now as adults, Io, we have yes. the opportunity with authority, with thumbtacked art in our beautiful homes to point the finger of blame once and for all. And I want to let you do that, Io. So please tell me who and or what made you hey. queer. Okay. So I have a little list going here. Oh, I love it. I have them <laughs> kind of separated into categories, but it's only movies and TV in general. Okay. And so I'm going to blame popular media okay. for making me queer, but not super popular. Like, okay, media that I had access to. Because that's this is a big statement. So for this to hold up in court, I'm going to need to see evidence. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> so this is the thing <laughs> that everyone, like all the conservatives are afraid of, is like media is making kids queer. They're right. They're right, yeah. Um, so there's four things on this list right now. Fantastic. But I'm, I have a really hard time. I don't know. I'm like sitting here with my ADHD meds right next to me as I say... <laughs> I don't really know why I have a hard time <laughs> staying focused on things. No, but you, um, you're proactive. You make lists. Exactly. I will hold you t accountable. Yeah. So basically, like, I'm sure there are more things on this list. And there are definitely people, like other people on this, like that could be on this list, but I don't really want to name by name. So I'm just going to go with the the famous ones. I love um, this. And this, so this is great. Let the record show this is not exhaustive. There are other things. Exactly. Perhaps I will come back on a future episode. You're not off the hook. I think you, I think I should yeah. definitely come back. So I'm just going to say that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my most obvious is Tegan and Sarah, obviously. Like this oh, is just. Get out. As someone who has lived in Canada long enough to call themselves kind of a Canadian, I <laughs> think it's very important to start this with two Canadian icons legendary twins, iconic lesbians, Tegan and Sarah. Yeah. I have like several Tegan and Sarah playlists on my mm -hmm. phone. There's oh, the self-curated. Self-curated, of course. Okay. There's the essential Tegan and Sarah playlist. There's the ultimate Tegan and Sarah playlist. Those might be the same thing. I'm not sure. And there's one <laughs> called Plunk Shit because oh. Plunk was the name of their first band. And I know that because I'm basically, I'm almost a super fan. So I'm assuming you've read their fantastic book, High School. Okay, so here's the problem with me is I don't read very much. <laughs> so as Fair a, enough. What about the audiobook? I think that would be a good thing, but I also get distracted really easily. I did go to their tour for high school, yeah. which was okay. I, I, iconically at the Elgin and Winter Garden Theater, which is like an uh, amazing place. It's gorgeous. So what did they do on the tour? Was it a concert? Yeah, so uh, the reason I'm... A, I also love being a fan of like two lesbians in their 40s is that other <laughs> lesbians in their 40s love them. So we get to yeah. sit down at all the shows. It's amazing. Yeah. I've gone to two Tegan and Sarah shows so far where I've gotten to sit down and three in total. So they read from the book and kind of just like hung out and, and watched them play songs, kind of like reworked, stripped down, um, heard them talk about LSD and like doing a oh, bunch yeah. of drugs. As Yeah, they did a lot of drugs in high school, right? A lot of drugs yeah. in high school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tegan and Sarah are my, I, I mean, I don't call myself a lesbian often, but uh -huh. it was like my lesbian coming of age kind of <laughs> like, this is really important to me. My mom recognizes them as 
as two people who I'm like obsessed with. Like she'll see any woman with short brown hair and she's like, oh, that's like your, um, like your favorite girls. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the Tegan and Sarah's. So yeah. let's go back. How old were you when you first encountered Tegan and Sarah? What was the situation? Okay. The situation was, it is very like tragic, uh, lesbian Netflix drama <laughs> that is difficult to watch, but you're just hooked. Okay. I was in boarding school. I was 14. I had just moved to Canada. Mm. I was in an international boarding school. And I remember this, like, uh, during my orientation, this random girl who was a bitch just kind of walked yeah. by. And I was with, I was hanging out with somebody and she walked by and she was just being a fucking asshole. And I was like, what is going on here? And of course, as a young kind of closeted teen who's like mm. figuring things out, I was like, oh my gosh, who's that? A mean woman. And I was just like, right. You're drawn yeah, to the like, drama and energy of it. Did you already sort of think maybe I'm not like other people? Oh, totally. I was a weird, okay. I was a little bit of a weirdo as a kid. I mean, I grew up around like all older people. Like I was the youngest of four. Um, my mm. oldest sister is 13 years older than me. And my parents were a lot like, were a little bit older when they had me too. So I just like grew up around like grownups a lot. Right. And so a lot of the like silly kid shit that you do, that's like, makes no sense. I would turn my nose up at. And so my childhood right. was kind of interesting in that way. I definitely had like a fun childhood, but I was also just like over it. Yeah. A lot. I mean, your knee sounds like she's kind of following in that path. <laughs> like me. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, I'm really proud of her. She, <laughs> she's very, I, love it. I think we're very similar. So yeah, yeah I mean, I, I already kind of knew, and that was the summer. I remember the summer before I left. I had a crush on this girl in at like school. So I went to school in Ghana, mm -hmm. grew up in Ghana. Super not okay to be gay there. Yeah. There's been this like renewed focus on anti-queer legislation. <gasps> and so that's really awful. But let's go back to the chaotic, <laughs> this is a really mean okay. Russian girl who ruined my life. But um, it was just like not the greatest. And I remember texting my friend on the plane as I was moving away, who was like best friends with this girl who I had a crush on. Um, we'll call her Penelope, I guess. Penelope. Oh. Um, and so I was texting her. I was like, hey, actually, I don't even want to give her a name. That's so funny because that's fully not her name. <laughs> Obviously. Okay. Okay. So I was just like, I have a really big crush on her. Like, I don't know what to do. And my friend was like, hey, like, you should just at least wait until you're out of the country. Like, you cannot do this. Like, for your you sake. You mean, like, tell her? Like, not even or, tell her, but just, like, yeah. be interested in, in like, indulging in anything like this. She was like, it's so not okay. Just get out of there. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then, yeah, so I just, I, I land. Um, it's September. We're in school. I'm kind of nervous. And this mean girl walks by. And I was, like, interested, but scared. And then... I run into her like a week later or something like that. I will also like, I don't know if I've prefaced this enough, but this is like an awful person. Like she's a truly vile. And I still believe like, I don't hold people to what they did in high school, but I still believe that she is like one of the worst people ever. Oh no! So this wasn't like sort of an aberration at the time. Like at the time it was, but going back and thinking about it, I'm just like, Oh my fucking God, you are the worst. So she basically introduced me to Tegan and Sarah because she, we kind of had a weird tumultuous relationship where 
she had like this like scary boyfriend. I remember that he was like so weird and like he hated me. So hang on too. I want to understand this. So (laughs) this person was like a bully, but you also had a weird sort of friendship. It was like an eye of the storm situation where if you were close enough, you couldn't be destroyed. Exactly. It was like, my introduction to her was just like, this is a scary, mean person. Okay. And she kind of drew me in by being like super alluring and nice. She was kind of like a weird mermaid. Like, you know, like the evil canonically like terrifying mermaids that were like... Like a siren? Yeah, like would seduce sailors, but they were like yes. these awful, vile, like cr- like horrible creatures. That's right, they're like what, gorgeous until like. you get close and then their real exactly. form emerges and they bite your face off. Yeah, that was basically yeah. it. So she was kind of like that where we would have these like okay. big, wow. like huge bonding moments where I'm just like, oh, you're actually like a decent person. And then she would just like ice me out. Um, yes, yes, yes. I know yeah. those people. It was like some of my early introductions to manipulation. So uh, a part of that was, I really hope Tegan and Sarah listen to this. Oh my God. Oh um, yeah, big uh, t- Tegan and Sarah, how's it going? <laughs> hey, Tegan and Sarah, how's it going? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Great work. Yeah, like it was, um, I remember for, for one, of, one of the times that I was being iced out, I was just like around my birthday. And then she shows up at my door because this is a boarding school. And at uh-huh. the time I was still like, yeah, yeah, I'm a girl. Uh, so I was on the girl's floor. Um, uh-huh. And she shows up at my door. For a while, she was my neighbor. And then she moved, thank God. Okay. But she shows up at my door with a bag. And it's just like gifts. And I was like, okay, I guess we're friends again. And Uh-oh. I opened these gifts. and Snakes. It's, it's a bag of snakes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but no, it's a, it's, and I still have this, all these things actually no i don't have there was there's one gift i don't have but she gave me uh-huh. a tegan and sarah toque and it said tegan and sarah on it and it had a little pom-pom at the top Ooh. she got me tegan and sarah pillowcases which is nuts so there's tegan wait the what are their faces on the pillow <laughs> yeah pillowcases? oh wow hilarious it's from the heartthrob era which is where okay. I, I became like a big teen and sarah fan because she was like when, when we were moving in and stuff and I found out she was my neighbor yeah, and I was like, this scary girl is on my floor and she's my neighbor. She had her door swung open, blasting heartthrob, the entire album by Tegan and Sarah. And so obviously right. I was like, what is the sound? Who is this girl? Right. What the fuck is going on? She's a dark mermaid. She's pulling you in. Yeah. Also, full disclosure, you have to say this is a safe space. Did you ever practice kissing those pillowcases? I did. I cuddled those pillowcases. Of course you did. I was it's fine. I was like, oh my God. Because here's the thing is I had a huge crush on Sarah when I was like for a long but not time. Tegan? I, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I have a thing for like, like there's, there's this fun thing about like sister duos to me. It's not about to be creepy. Don't mm-hmm. even go there, listeners. Um, where I'm just like, which one of the sisters can I picture myself marrying? And also a huge part of it is which one of the sisters would be like the most fun sister-in-law. So that's like right now, Chloe and Hallie are my like main sisters. (laughs) I don't want to say that, but. How do you choose Chloe and Hallie? Well, here's the thing is you have to know like a little bit of their personalities. You have to maybe watch, you have to watch live performances and see whose voice is doing what. Okay. And that's also a big part of it for me. Who's giving you some in-law energy and who's giving exactly. you some sexual energy? It's different. It's generally the one who's like the more like chatty that I'm like, oh, sister-in-law, 100%. So I was like, <laughs> Tegan, sister-in-law, easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And with Chloe and Holly, I'm just like, Chloe, sister-in-law, big time. Oh, okay. But now lately, I've just, I don't know. She, anyways, this is not what this is about. Okay. But yeah, so Tina and Sarah are a big one because this this awful girl that like kind of reeled me in and was kind of weird. Um, I have several others that I need to get through. I wasn't expecting to spend this long on Tina and Sarah. But yeah, I kind of went down a, a Tina and Sarah wormhole. I love that you did that. I'm so happy you did. And I want to acknowledge, and I don't know if this is universal for queer people, but I can relate to it, where your sexuality develops in a way where you're like, I can't tell if I'm terrified of this person, or I hate this person, Mm -hmm. or I'm attracted to this person, or if there's a difference between those three phenomenon. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm kind of into like mean women now. Like, I think that Mm. that's my, like, it's kind of my thing. Like yeah. when generally when I'm into dudes, they're like, I would like them not to speak. I would like <laughs> them to be like kind of silly. Okay. Like they kind of have the energy of like a like a like a golden retriever a little bit, where it's just like Oh great. You're just clumsy and just like big and knocking shit over and like yeah. whatever, you're down <laughs> for whatever. Unless or it's like that's the one category of man that I'm into. The other category is just like short. If you're short, we're good. Perfect. Let's do it. Doesn't matter. Any personnel, I don't care what else the other attributes are. You got to be short. Either way, all men shouldn't speak. That's the main thing. And you're not entirely wrong. Yeah. And then when it comes to women, I'm just like, yeah, be (laughs) mean. It's great. Should I should I uh, exit the chat on my own? Yeah, podcast? unfortunately, I'm sorry. That's that's also the other thing where I'm just Listen, like, I respect it. Just struggling with my gender identity, and I'm just like, am I a man? And I'm like, nah. See, if I am a man, I'm not allowed to talk anymore. So I guess I'm non-binary forever. <laughs> so choose either option, please. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you made me queer. You made me queer. We'll be right back. And now back to more. You made me queer. So so let's go back to, if I'm not interrupting you, T, did we put a pin on Tegan and Sarah? I think we put a pin on Tegan. We pinned Tegan and Sarah up against the wall. Uh, no, right. uh, we put a up pin against on the wall. And, and it was Sarah. <laughs> Sarah was the one you wanted Sarah to. Sarah was the one because she was kind of, she's like, she's the more elusive one. Okay. And there it. was also something about like them being like way older than me that I was just like, in my fantasy, I was like in my 30s. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. But I was like, I don't know, I was fucking 14, 15. I don't know how much um, older they are. Also, they're of yeah. the zeitgeist, Tegan and Sarah, because I I was a, not a hardcore fan, but I was definitely a fan of their music. But it was, I think, around the same time as The L Word came out. So mm. I remember that Tegan and Sarah and Shane from The L Word oh, were kind of yeah. in the same sort of part of my brain as like a person, a type. Yeah, the hair was also like a big part of it. I think it was the they, hair. Yeah. Tegan and Sarah have had some iconic bangs. They've had the teeny <laughs> little bangs. They've had mm-hmm. the whole like swoop in front of the face bang. They've had like, also there they, there've been countless Tegan and Sarah eras, yeah, true. as we call them. Um, and they're all accompanied by different haircut. They make it really easy to like separate things out. So yeah, I went down a wormhole and I just like- it, yeah. If you put on any Tegan and Sarah song right now, I probably know all the lyrics. <laughs> if I don't, I'm excited to listen to it anyways. The only reason I'm not putting you in the spot is licensing issues where <laughs> I can't play those songs on the show. Also, yeah. I think queer people, the way our calendar system works is we identify periods Boom. of time by the, the Tegan and Sarah exactly. bang period. That's, ex- um, that's actually legally how we're required to... <laughs> 
<laughs> to That's think right. We're like swept bang. <laughs> exactly. It was yeah. the summer of swept bang. Yeah. I'm like, did Sarah have a bob? <laughs> was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. I was in New York. That was the get along era, of course. A hundred percent. I mean, I think we both could spend the whole episode talking about this, but let's go to the next chapter. I okay. Um, so this was actually, these are some of the later chapters. Like Tegan and Sarah was one of the later chapters where I was like, Oh, on this the is cusp- out of order. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, well, queer time. We're queering time here. That's right. Um, that's right. Tegan and Sarah was when I was kind of at the cusp of my queer discoveries. This was before when I came out, I came out to my sister and her husband mm-hmm. and I ordered balloons online that said I'm gay and they had unicorns on them. And I sent them a letter in the mail because I lived in Mississauga at the time uh-huh. and they lived in Toronto. And so I sent them a letter in the mail and I had a whole letter that was explaining that I was queer. And then I had these balloons. And so there was a pause in the letter. And I was like, take a break now and blow up the balloons. Oh, because they hadn't, right. The balloons were deflated. Right. They couldn't read the message. They couldn't read them. And then it said, I'm gay. And then it, the letter continued. So that's, Tegan and Sarah was like shortly before this. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. You know, when you wake up in a cold sweat and you're like, (gasps) it's like the, but I'm a cheerleader, like. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that. So yeah. And then earlier, again, with growing up with like older siblings, my parents being older when they had me, I had a lot of like 70s and 80s media that was a really big part of my life. Oh yeah. And so- my favorite film, one of my two all-time favorite films is Tootsie. Oh my gosh. 1982, Dustin Hoffman. Um, If you don't know the premise, um, Michael Dorsey is a struggling actor and he, I don't want to give it away. Anyways. That's how, I mean, I mean, it's been out for years. Yeah. Struggling actor. Spoiler. If you haven't seen Tootsie and you're afraid of it being spoiled, skip ahead in the podcast. Exactly. Or Or pause right now and go watch Tootsie and come back. You have to. And I want to ask you too, but I want to hear your story, but also in the way that people have looked at Mrs. Doubtfire, for example, Mm -hmm. in a different lens, you know, with greater understanding of gender identity. Does Tootsie hold up? Because I haven't seen it since I was a child. Right. So I watch it every year. Um, Tootsie does hold up. Okay. Yeah. I watch it every year on my birthday. Oh, wow. It really holds up. Mrs. Doubtfire, I was warned very recently not to watch again because it's like really tough. But Tootsie actually is something that's really great. So yeah, Michael Dorsey, struggling actor, can't find a freaking job. Job. His he has the the most iconic cataclysmic line mm. in a movie is Michael. No one will hire you, and he's looking at the camera, kind of like a little bit off, and he's like, "Oh yeah." And then the soundtrack comes in, and it's the Tootsie soundtrack. I'm not going to like burn your ears trying to mimic it, but then you <laughs> see this crowd in New York, crowded New yes, York street. Yes, that shot is so iconic, and then the beat kind of kicks in. It's like, do, 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 do. And then the crowd uh, sort of parts and you see this woman with big glasses, kind of like a teased out curly perm. And Mm -hmm. it is fucking Michael Dorsey who becomes Dorsey Michaels. And it's just, so he, he pretends to be a woman named Dorothy Michaels and he gets a, a role on a show. He becomes a celebrity. And then 
this crisis happens where he falls in love with Jessica Lange. Jessica Lange is also a huge part of this oh, because yes. she was so fucking hot in that fucking movie. Oh, Jessica Lange is still hot. She's she so still hot. is. Oh my gosh, she still is. And so my introduction to Jessica Lange was not American Horror Story. It was Tootsie because I was like, yeah. holy shit, who's this woman? She's been killing it for 50 or 60 years. One of the only blonde women who I care about. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I don't care about blonde women very much. Like, I don't care when you're blonde, like whatever, who cares? Fair, but like, fair. oh my God, one of the only like natural blondes that I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. And so <laughs> the cool thing about Tootsie is when you rewatch it, it feels like Dorsey Michaels and I'm a, like, who I will begrudgingly say I'm a, like a failed academic, but <laughs> I failed because I don't want to go back. But <laughs> I want to write a paper about Tootsie because Michael Dorsey's manhood, like Dorsey Michaels is a huge part of his masculinity. And in the big like final reveal, there's a part where in the show he reveals. So he is this woman who is at Southwest General, the hospital in the show that he is, he gets, he lands. Mm-hmm. And then he reveals that he is Edward Kimberly. And so he takes off his wig and he's like, I am not whatever, whatever. Oh, the character does The character that. in oh, the I show. Got it. The me- so I it's see. meta. Um, right. And he's like, daughter of Alma Kimberly. And then he <laughs> takes his wig off and he's like, I'm Edward Kimberly. And then everyone freaks out because everyone, his co-stars are finding out that he's a man as well. And so there's oh. this big reveal. And like, yes, it's to be fair, you could say that like the whole deception thing is like Mm. plays it like it plays into some super crappy like narratives around deception and trans identity and all that stuff but Mm -hmm. michael dorsey isn't trans i do think however that he's like a i think he's a little trans like you know what i mean i'm just like it's not like he's like tricking people exact per se like yes he is technically but in the line his character says like edward kimberly says that this woman that he was playing was the best part of his manhood, the best Mm. part of himself. Mm -hmm. So he has finally has this opportunity to create who he really feels like he could be like the best thing that he could be. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I haven't seen the film in a really long time, so I can't comment on any of the sort of, I'm going to for sure. Um, I can't comment on the specificities, but would that we all had an opportunity, I mean, we do if we want to, but maybe more, it was a more mainstream idea to deconstruct gender and gender performance Mm -hmm. like that. It's really complex. Like, there are obviously parts of it that suck, like the whole, Mm -hmm. like, overall like gender trickery i think right that is from gotcha a moment which yeah like an assumed cis man sure but if you were to fuck with this a little bit and like if we were to give michael dorsey a little bit of a chance like he feels amazing as dorsey michaels yeah and like if you were to give him a little bit of a chance in the situation to be like hey i don't know like let's think about this as oh my gosh blank slate liberatory potential to play with gender. He has fun shopping. He has a lot of fun creating the kind of woman that Dorothy is. And his roommate, who's played by Bill Murray, mm-hmm. is like, don't you think you're taking this a little bit too far? Because he and, and he ends up being like, that's not, that's not the kind of woman I want Dorothy to be. That's not the kind of woman I am. And I'm like, right. oh my God, yes. Good. Good for you. Yes. Do it. That's it. And he's short. And <laughs> I see where this is going. Dustin Hoffman eventually ends up in Meet the Parents, where he plays 
the sexiest kind of man who is kind of like a short man married to a powerful woman with a son that he names Gaylord. Like, that's like cool. That's right. That's right. It's Justin awesome. Hoffman is Ben Stiller's dad, right? Yes. Oh, so fun. Yes, that's right. Really good casting. So what, how old were you the first time you saw Tootsie? I got to say it was fresh out of the womb. I feel like they brought me home from the hospital and Tootsie was just <laughs> Right. Because I know that movie like the back of my, I know it better than the back of my hand. I know it more than anything. Like there was like a TV hanging from the mobile with Tootsie playing on it. A hundred percent. Yeah, it was, I was hearing it in the womb. And that's why I'm like, <laughs> if I were to ever be a man, it's a short man who plays with gender. Yes, <laughs> yes. Wears big old glasses. But yeah, that was a big one. Um, I love that. And I wonder, and I don't know how much, because I'm, I'm on the fence about remakes sometimes in general, but I feel like 2022 folks could make a pretty cool Tootsie remake. And the problem is like, I I hate reboots, but I kind yeah. of want to, I want to straddle the line of I hate reboots and like kind of pedal that for long enough until I get to the point in my career where I can do a big, almost Tootsie gotcha. A reveal. <laughs> and I love reboots. Surprise. Yeah. And have the Hollywood reporter be like, Ayo, Taditaba, making yeah. Tootsie reboot. I would fucking love that. I want to, that's I, one of my dream gigs is to make a Tootsie reboot. I mean, I love that. <laughs> we got to find a short man stat. Listen, anyone listening, any angel investors listening, we need some short actors and we need yeah. a couple mil. The, the Tootsie reboot is going to have a Heath as a star. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. At the end of the this movie, is... they find out like, he's like, oh, maybe I'm just a Heath at the at the end of it all. And that's, <laughs> that's the big thing. <laughs> that's right. Maybe it's like, Roll it's, credit. it's during the pandemic and he's like figuring himself out. He goes for an audition and then he does drag and he's a Heath at the end of it. Mm-hmm. I want to shout out um, Emo Normie on Twitter for He Day of the Day. Yes. Because, yeah, that, that has honestly, like, kind of ushered in the the the, he, the new He Day renaissance. I like He Day of the Day. Is this drag audition on Zoom? Yeah, it's got to be on Zoom okay. or something. Unless I'm over, like, pandemic content by the time that I get to this point in my career. Well, I want to say we might be. We might be, yeah. It might be played out. But it's okay. We'll figure it out. I mean, Listen, hey, it's fine. We have time. Please, I've, <laughs> I pre-bought my ticket, just so you know. Right. So I know you had four in total. Mm-hmm. So we've heard two. We've heard Tegan and Sarah. Oh, yeah. Wait, are you blaming Tegan and Sarah or are you blaming the Russian girl? I'm blaming Tegan and Sarah. No, no, no. The Russian girl did not make me queer. Okay, Tegan and Sarah. So first was Tegan and Sarah. Number two was Tootsie, the film, the first version, not Io's remake in 2025. No. So yeah. let's go to thing three. Okay, so thing three is Hercules. I think Hercules, I blame Hercules for making me trans. The myth or the Disney animated classic? The Disney animated classic. Okay. Because I think it was a good strategy to captivate people with the muses because mm. the muses rock. They're my favorite characters in the whole film. And it's like my favorite Disney movie, which is kind of, I guess, is surprising to people when I say that because a lot of people kind of like paint a queer or trans narrative onto Mulan, which I totally understand. Sure. And I love that for them. But for me, Hercules, it was like this whole thing of like, um, I don't know, it was just like kind of like the zero to hero thing, like. It was kind of a really alluring story to me. Can um, I give you a full disclosure? I have seen almost every Disney movie. I have not seen Hercules. And let me tell you why. Okay. I grew up okay. very Catholic. And oh, okay. at the time, my family was boycotting Disney because they owned Miramax, which had released a film called Priest, which had uh, a Catholic priest doing all sorts of sexy oh, things. Oh, my gosh. So I wasn't allowed to go to Hercules. 
and I've never seen it. But uh, but I know it's really good. I know of it. Okay, the songs are fucking amazing. Oh, I know Zero to Hero. Please Zero to Hero. Um, the intro, the muses thing. That's the one. Like I have a drag playlist for when I inevitably do drag. Yes. And it's literally called When I Inevitably Do Drag. And um, yeah, the the intro, the gospel truth, part one is on there. Yes. Because I just think that like looking at the muses as like a, as like a drag persona for me, like mm. it's just like, it just makes sense. Um, you mean like that? How many are there? Nine? Seven? Like five. Five? In the sure. film, I think there are five. So do you like that as an idea of like having multiple facets of your personality or are you one muse? Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah, I love I that. I love that. But if I were to be one muse, I would obviously be the Beyonce of the group, which is the, the one. If you watch the film, you'll know which one. It's. <laughs> I, I get it. I see that for yeah. you and I support it. Yeah. Okay, let's go to number four. Oh my God, wait, we're jumping? Also, so it was The Muses and Hercules. The Muses and Hercules. Hercules is one of the big ones. It was just kind of like bright-eyed kid just being like, yes. oh. And how old were you? I don't even know. I think I was like, I want to confidently say that I, it just kind of felt like it was always a part of my life. Like I just, I don't know how I found out uh, how I learned all the lyrics to all the songs. It was just like it happened. Yeah, yeah. So just like Tootsie. One. It was just around just you like os- osmosed For sure. I do remember where I was, like when I was, I always picture myself in my parents' room because they had a bigger TV in their room. Mm-hmm. And I would just like sit on their bed and watch Tootsie. And the next one, which is number four. Okay. Number four is equally as like confusing. Three's Company. Oh my gosh. Now hear me out. <laughs> This is twofold. There was Jack Tripper mm. who was pretending to be a gay man so he could live with these two beautiful women mm-hmm. because Mr. Roper was so conservative that it made no sense to him for a straight single straight man to be living with two women. Right. I thought this was, first of all, genius. And this uh, was also uh, America's treasure, Joyce DeWitt, and then Farrah Fawcett, yes. right? No, um, uh, the other blonde, <laughs> the so, blonde, um, Chrissy Snowflake. What was her name? Yeah, Chrissy Snow. Um, Susan, <sighs> Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. That's her. Yeah, Joyce DeWitt, John Ritter, Suzanne Summers. It was another double consonant name. I get yeah. fit five points out of ten. I also thought that like Anne Wedgworth, who played Lana, was amazing. Like she was this hot older woman who was obsessed with Jack and knew that he wasn't gay and yes. kept trying to hit on him. And he was like, No, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And there was just something about this like hot older woman being like this like cougar who anyways, that was great. So there was just the fact I'm that I'm getting like, Jack a window Tripper, into your types and I'm here yeah, for it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I know my girlfriend's like eight <laughs> months older than me. And I'm like, oh, yes. she's a little bit mean sometimes. Um, but <laughs> she's deeply he, homophobic. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there was like there was something about like this dude who was like a wonderful cook. But, like, was still not, like, the two women he was living with were still not interested in him. So he kind of was, like, he would, like, hit on them as a joke sometimes. But, like, he was just, like, best friends with these two girls who were so hot. Yeah. And another, yeah, another blonde who was iconic. Um, yeah. But I didn't really have a crush on either of them. But I just Fair. did think that it, the idea of, so this is twofold. So the first part is Jack Tripper pretending to be gay. Which was like, oh, it's like beneficial to you. Oh, it did gosh, feel I guess strangely, I like... even though like the narrative voice on it didn't get the joke necessarily. Yeah. It did feel transgressive in a way that like this chosen family and this sort of like yes. playing with 
uh, orientation performance almost or sort of subverting right. gender norms felt interesting. To it me. was kind of a slay. Yeah. Yeah. It was really like. They just didn't know it. Exactly. And I, <laughs> I thought, it, I think it's very funny that a lot of the things here like are, have to do with trickery. Like the, yeah. the, the Tootsie and the Thief Company of it all. It was the time, but it was also there's something about like, yeah, the trickery and like finding it beneficial to be a part of this marginalized community yeah <laughs> like yeah, uh, yeah but i just thought it was like it just didn't feel evil it felt like beneficial because they were like look we're gonna do what we gotta do and this is like a situation and so like i find that like if you were to really look at it like squinty-eyed sideways it's like kind of like a cool i wouldn't call it radical but i thought it was just kind of cool it was fun to watch too that is actually a really interesting insight where it's kind of like punking uh oppression in a way where you're like i see the way you marginalize queer folks and so i'm gonna or like marginalize gender or whatever and so even though i'm manipulating you (laughs) which i want to say is queer in some capacity but that's for another time yeah manipulation is queer let's do that yeah but you know but it's it's cool the way i mean i think queer people had to have had to do that in so many capacities where you're like for sure you're not going to give me the leg up i need so i'm going to use your system to punk you and i mean yeah in a lot of ways i think that i do that but i'm just like not a white man in the United States in <laughs> yeah. the 70s and 80s, um, which this is true, is really, I think it's one of the coolest things about me. <laughs> so I'm just not, but yeah, I, think I wouldn't that, change it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't change it for even in a second. But I think that like a big part of my queerness is the fact that it's, I mean, everyone, we've heard this all before, sure, but like it is inseparable from like mm. every other part of me. So I mm-hmm. think that like pointing the finger at like these things that made me queer, they were also. I don't know, teaching me a lot of things that I guess I put into practice now. So every time I hop into the back of an Uber and they call me brother, I'm just like, cool, I'm just going to go with it because that was just an assumption that you made. And it's beneficial to me for this Uber ride. (laughs) My ratings have gone up ever since the people have started thinking that I'm a man. Really? And so I'm just going to like fucking go with it. Like, sure. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit um, Michael Dorsey, a little bit Jack Tripper. (laughs) Yeah. When I'm just like, sure, why not? You know? Make it, it, I'm yeah, make it work for you. Spin it. And there's just like something about like the kind of confusing nature of at least like the way that I present that I am obsessed with. Um, But also it's just like not the end all be all. So I I just, if someone's misgendering me in a moment and it's just like helpful for the situation, why not? Let's do it. I'm a man. Why not? If I need to be a man, a bro or whatever, and dudes treat me better than cool. Like, well, and also, like, why not only because it's why not on your terms, N- not yeah. like, you know, a forced why not. But also exactly. that's one reason why I really like the word queer and why I identify as queer, because there's a question mark to it. It's yeah. what does that mean? It could be misinterpreted. It could be, sure. I could change the definition of it. That's And in that's the moment, power. I'm definitely not going to tell like a random person who I know nothing about, like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a man. That's right. I'm a trans person who is non-binary and queer. Like, I'm not about to just like completely, I had my first moment actually of like not outing myself as trans, which was nuts to me because Mm. I started passing in a certain way. So before I was like on hormones and everything, um, when I was much younger, people would kind of go back and forth, call me young man, young lady, whatever. And I Mm -hmm. kind of loved living in that space. It was really freeing and amazing until it started going one way only when it was like, you are a girl. And I was like, oof, that's bad. (laughs) This is not. Um, (laughs) 
And so like, I guess I was like assumed in one kind of direction of the binary. And now lately it's kind of been the other direction where people are thinking I'm a, a man, like an adult man. And I was sitting at a bar and this is going to be my, my little wrap up story mm-hmm. sitting at a bar um, with like, so I took my friends to Niagara on the Lake for uh, like a birthday thing. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun and great. And so we met this couple in the hot springs, um, this dude with his wife, they're like celebrating nine years, married 15 years together. They have two kids. And I'm like, we're sitting in these hot springs. My friend and I are both wearing speedos looking like just gays, just like the gayest <laughs> yes. people in this entire like hotel and spa like red gays and so we're sitting yeah we're sitting there and then they kind of like they we we see them at dinner later and they invite us to the irish harp pub and we're like great let's go to this pub because they're like have you ever done an irish car bomb and we're like no and so it's when you drop baileys into guinness and chug it no i've done them you chug it so the baileys doesn't curdle in the damn beer anyways story for another time yeah horrible so we go we're hanging out uh, we're talking to this couple. They're really wonderful, like truly amazing. This random straight couple from London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And they ask us like, oh, so how long have you two been together? And we look at each other and we're like, that's very cute. But we're mm. not together. We're yeah. friends. And they're like so apologetic. And they're like, oh, because we thought, oh, no. And then they're like, but you're and we were like, yeah, no, but we're both gay. And they're like, oh, okay, you're just like really good friends. <laughs> they were like, woo. <laughs> they were like, okay, we didn't misinterpret this. Our gaydar is still working. And then I'm like, yeah, but like I have a girlfriend and she drove us here. And our friends' faces right. shifted entirely. They're like this gay, this little twink with a girlfriend. What's going on here? And they were like, huh? Yeah, because they're like, what is it? We've studied. We thought we understood <laughs> we it. Thought but we you're knew. gay, but you have a girlfriend. But you have a girlfriend. And then I like, I'm like, yeah, my girlfriend, I showed them a picture and they're like even more confused. And she's yeah. like, oh, like, oh, like bisexual. And I, <laughs> and I was oh, like, no. and I was like, sure. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. You're like, you know, don't worry about it. Let's do another Irish car bomb. You know? And it was just really fun. And then I'm we're like, I'm losing my mind, laughing my ass off. My friend and I are just fucking losing it. And then I'm like, I have to go to the washroom. I'll leave you all to figure this out. And then the husband is like, oh, me too. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, we're going to go to the bathroom and you're going to see where I go. And so it's just like, oh, shit. So we are walking together. I'm not really afraid because he's like yeah. decently drunk, but I'm also afraid ish because I'm like, what if you're like, oh, you're like, you can yeah. be like, it's a different moment, not homophobic, but transphobic. So we go to the bathroom and I'm like, after you. And we both walk into the men's. There's one stall and one urinal. And I'm like, amen. He goes to the urinal. I go into the stall (laughs) because he was like, you're going to have to wait for me. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just going to go to the stall. And he's like, oh, good for you, man. I can't pee sitting down. And I was just like sitting there peeing or hovering over. I'm like, you have no fucking clue. And I felt I was in my Tootsie bag in that moment. I was just like, (laughs) oh, like they were sort of empowering. You were like, it felt so funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like the comedy of the moment of like, you, we're both gay, but you have a girlfriend, but you're sitting. And like, it was just like, there was something about it where I'm just like, thank goodness for moments like these. Yeah. Because <laughs> it feels really nice to not be fucking terrified all the time. Like, it's like sometimes, I mean, but it feels really nice to just confuse a random couple. And then that's that. Like, I wish right. that, that and was then as roll far credits as... on Three's Company episode. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> on this one episode. It felt yeah. like a sitcom. I love it. Um, so... Yeah, I blame like sitcom like 
situations for making me queer. Sitcom tropes and the way they come into real life. Listen, I really don't want to do this because I want to talk to you for it. eons. We have, I have a game that we oh, always shit, play yeah. that we literally have to play in a minute. Okay, let's do this. Okay, perfect. Are you ready? This game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerest. Queerer, Queerest. Okay. The rules are as follows. I'm going to give you three things. Okay. You need to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. Okay. You have 30 seconds. Holy shit. Okay, go, go, go. <laughs> Thing number one, that grip tester game they sometimes have in bars where you put in a quarter and it's like, how tight can you grip the thing? And there's a little meter. Okay, I've never played that, but I just did a grip workout at the gym, so. Oh, so you might know. Okay, thing number two, okay. seeded grapes. No one oh. seeded grapes, seeded grapes. Grapes with seeds in them. Grapes with seeds in them. Okay, great. Not okay. not like artificially, like not <laughs> seminated grapes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, thing number three, that feeling when you don't want to get missed, like you're on an airplane and someone's handing out snacks and you're like, oh, I'm kind of drowsy, but like I want to make sure they don't miss me. So you're like okay. extra alert or something. Okay, so the queer rest is the feeling when you don't want to get missed, okay. first of all. Um, queerer is the grip test. And I'm going to go ahead and say that seeded grapes are the least queer. And I'm going to say, because it's really, it feels really gay to me to go into a grape and take the seed out so that you can have a more enjoyable experience. It feels like um, doing everything for purely pleasure. So I'm, that's why I'm talking about, that's why I'm saying that seeded grapes are the least queer. Okay. Um, because seed, seedless grapes are queerest. Um, the feeling of not wanting to get missed feels like an attention thing. And I think that my queerness is a lot about uh, attention and yeah the middle one just falls in the middle because that's that <laughs> i mean that's and you know what i would grill you so much more but we are out of time io we're so, done i have to let you go oh my goodness so listen uh this was a true joy before i let you go anything you want to plug um i just co-directed a heritage minute uh heritage minute about jackie shane is coming out i co-directed it with my lovely co-director pat mills who should also be on this podcast. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that. I have to also mention that all of the things I mentioned were white. I know that now. <laughs> I recognized it. But I also blame white supremacy for that. Sure. Um, and I blame, and I, I'm going to go ahead and blame the Jeffersons for making me funny. So there we go. <laughs> What's better, funny or queer? You decide. Um, and hey, that's a whole nother podcast. Buy my niece's art. Uh, I'll try to plug it. And eventually she has a shop. <laughs> yes. Um, Tell me I look cute on my Instagram. Follow me. It's Ayo Tsaditaba. It should be in the notes of this because no one knows how to spell my last name. It will and be. Do it. Hands off that blood book, though. That is not for sale. Yeah, no, that's hers. And last thing, um, research Rightify Ghana and LGBT Rights Ghana and try to figure out what the hell is going on over there. Donate um, yes. because that's the best thing that you can do right now. Amplify all that stuff. I will be watching you if you do not because I am a queer Ghanaian person. And we're all fucking cool. And we should not be put <laughs> in jail. Nobody should be put in jail. Abolish prisons. That's my that's my last thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. So this that's a whole nother 60 minutes we need to talk about. But do yeah. that. Uh you can of course follow IO. Uh information will be in the show notes. All of those things. Do those things. Yes. If you don't know who Jackie Shane is, A shame on oh you. My God. B yeah. friend of You Made Me Queer, JP LaRock wrote uh I yes. think on that Heritage Minute, which is very exciting. Yes, JP was 
freaking amazing. Of course. Amazing. As per usual, nothing yes. out of the ordinary here. And I, I want to thank you because when this conversation started, I was exceptionally queer and talking to you <laughs> has made me queerer than ever. Yes. I hope people get to blame me one day. <laughs> so, listen, if I'm ever a guest on my own podcast, I just might. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so we'll much, switch. Io. <laughs> that All sounds right. good. You take care. All right. See you later. Okay, and that's our show. Remember, get those tickets to You Made Me Queer at Buddy's Queer Pride. They're going to sell out. Mark my words, this is your shot. You can mail me at youmademequeer at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It does wonders for us. And that is our show. Cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our editor is Sean Van Beaton. Our theme song is by Critty. For more from music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday for the time being. Woof! And from the bottom of my big, bent heart, thank you for listening. I'm obsessed with you. Do you trust me? Until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault.